We are so excited that this latest message from Truth Movement Church can meet you where you are today. This message from TMC will help you to apply the truth of God's word to your everyday life. It's practical and powerful. Enjoy his word. We've been talking about a topic that can be pretty heavy when you think about holiness, and it can easily start to morph into a um, very rigid, very instruction-based feeling type of message, but that's not the goal at all. The goal is for us to understand more about God's brand and learning that his, ident- his brand is, is holiness. I want to lean into that. I want to bend into whatever his brand is. And I realized this morning that until you decide or until you understand his love for you, your willingness to bend into that brand is difficult. I'm not going to go there today because that's not necessarily the message, but I do think that there's a connection point that we have to make. I was listening to this song this morning that said, before I even knew it was your love, it was your love. And that, that right there, knowing that when I was that six-year-old in Southfield, Michigan, who was dealing with a home where there was domestic abuse and you were preserving me and you were loving me before I could even identify that that was your love, that's why the 34-year-old me stands here and wants to make sure that I live a life that is pleasing to you because I owe you. Yes, yes. You understand what I'm saying? So that was the connection point that I had this morning. I want to make sure that you're making it as well. So I do have a word. I am excited about the word. Um, I love the conversation, and I won't spend too much time going backwards because we need to go forward today, but I'm just in love with the conversation that God has been having with us about his brand and his lifestyle. Um, I feel honored that he would allow me to be a part of the conversation by giving me a spoken word to talk on it, but I've just loved it. I find myself, um, because it's been so practical, I find myself in my Monday and my Tuesday being able to do stuff with the word from Sunday. Like I find myself having moments in drive-thrus and saying, Portia, don't put on the Nike socks. Portia, don't put on the Nike socks. Make sure that you're, you're not rocking Nike socks with the Adidas brand. I have something to now use as a point of reference. When I feel myself getting ready to go off brand, I now have this word that's planted that I can pull from. So I have absolutely loved that. Um, I've loved the holiness, I guess I would say, section of this um, brand conversation because my husband and I talked about it. Pastor Wanzel has made holiness so applicable and so simple that you can't miss it. And while it is a very weighty topic, he has broken it up into like bite-sized pieces where you can digest it. So I've loved all of that. Um, but what stood out for me when talking about holiness was the idea that we are to be holy just means to be set apart. And when we're talking about being set apart, we're not just set apart from something, we're being set apart to something. So if you had saw my notes and you didn't see my notes, but I bolded that when he said that, because I was like, okay, there is this, this, this expectation that once I start to take on this brand, I'm not just having a, a, a laundry list of things that I don't do anymore. There are things I'm supposed to start doing, 
right? And so that's going to be more where we spend some time today, this idea that there is this um, way of being. And we've already started to talk about that, that he is calling us to. Amen? Um, as I'm going to have a conversation with y'all. So you're going to get, like, footnotes and asterisks and all that because that's what's in my notes. Um, but one thing that I made a note of as I was preparing for this was the Apostle Paul. Because when we talk about being brand ambassadors, he feels like goals. He feels like the one who, like, you can see clearly that he was called from a certain lifestyle, which was religion. He was religious, let's be clear. He wasn't in the world. He was a religious figure. But he was called from being that religious figure, that Pharisee, that persecutor of the way, to now being um, a a promoter of the truth, an apostle of the truth, a evangelist for the truth, someone who now does church plants and goes out and makes sure that the word is made known. So just this idea that you're not just being called from something, but you're being called to something, I think is so exemplified by the Apostle Paul. Amen? So he's, if you need somebody, he's goals, you can look, look, look him up. Um, so then God kept talking to me and he started, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in my apostle Paul vibes. I'm like, okay, how do I be more like him? You know? Um, and he started saying that for all of us, we have to make sure that we don't get caught up, which can easily happen in these kind of series, that we don't get caught up on the things that we're supposed to stop doing. Now there is holy content. We learned about that last week that we need to start drawing ourselves to. But if you just start saying, okay, God's brand, I'm being an ambassador, I need to be wholly set apart, I'm not going to be on my social media, I'm not going to be listening to certain stuff, I'm not going to be on certain websites, if that's all you do, you're still going to miss what you're being called to. And if you think that all you're being called to now is church, and God is dope t-shirts, and putting your scriptures on your Instagram, I need, to, I need to change. And I said, you keep dancing, but you change partners. So I need to change partners. So I need to be putting stuff online that's only God-based. Like, if you only do those things, you're still going to be missing the meat of what he's calling us to. Amen? So he was very clear with me in the instructions there that it's not just no more clubbing. It's not just that. That's why you have God's Holy Spirit in you. And if you don't have him, we'll make sure you get him because he's the one that's going to be telling you along the way, tonight it's time to put that down. Ty, just beyond that now, that he's going to be the one to do that. We're not going to do that in this pulpit. But what you are going to learn is that there is a culture that he is calling you to. Culture is just a way of being, a way of thinking, a way of behaving, a way of walking out life. So that's what we're going to spend time talking about today is his culture. And Pastor Wanzel said this like weeks ago that when he was talking about the, the people of Israel, how they were getting prepared because there was a culture that they were, they were, there was a place they were going to that already had a culture. And God wanted to make sure that they were not corrupted by that culture, so he had to teach them his culture. So that's what all this has been, in case you missed it. You're in, the, you're in session to learn what his culture is. Okay. So, all of that is just my intro. Okay? So now, we are, um, are going to be in Colossians chapter 3. And he started talking to me about the way of living that he is calling us to. 
We're going to spend a little bit of time, if I give you a roadmap, talking about some things he's calling us away from, but we're going to spend very little time there. We're gonna, we want to know what he's calling us to. Okay. So I don't know if your Bible's like this, but if you have a paper Bible, usually before some scriptures or before a chapter, it'll give you um, like a header, like a title. Even in the digital versions, mine does, it says, living as those made alive in Christ. That's the header for Colossians chapter 3. So when I saw that, I said, okay, well, living as those made alive in Christ. We were talking about being made alive in Christ. We were talking about Zoe a few weeks back, and we were talking about this vitality that comes from us choosing to live for Christ and be on his brand. So now, here in chapter 3 of Colossians, I'm going to get instruction on how to live as one made alive in Christ. So I got really excited because I look for instructions. No one else looks, y'all just, y'all just freestyle your life. I don't freestyle my life. I need instructions. So I got really excited. But when I read that, I'm going to tell you what, I, what God did. I read, living as those made alive in Christ. And I heard God say, do it for the culture. And I was like, okay, say it again because I make sure I write it down. I saw living as those made alive in Christ, but I heard God say, do it for the culture. So I've heard that term before. Um, I've used that term before. But I started researching what does it mean to do it for the culture. So every year, um, there is a pop culture, hip-hop culture, turn-up phrase that makes it out viral. And so in 2017, do it for the culture was brought to us by Migos, their song, um, T-shirt. I never heard the song, T-shirt. I don't know the lyrics. I'm not here promoting that. But I know that that's where it came from. And because Migos um, put that out there, that's when people started saying, do it for the culture. So I said to God, you know Migos? And he was like, I made Migos. And I was like, oh, okay, you know Migos. So I was like, okay. So I still wanted to understand more. Um, so do it for the culture for the Urban Dictionary, um, is usually a statement requesting that someone carry out a specific action for benefit of their shared culture. It's been the motto for going out at all, going all out at parties, extravagant purchases for Twitter and Instagram flexing. So when you're doing it for the culture, when you're going all out, that's what that means. Am I, are y'all learning this too? Y'all knew this already, you knew this already. Um, do it for the culture has especially started to be um, appropriated by African Americans because there is this somewhat, you know, woke movement that's been happening within the African American community um, where there is this idea that I don't want to do things for European or American cultural standards. I want to start to do things for the African American culture. So I'm doing it for the culture. So like when um, a black woman, let's say, wears braids in corporate America. That is not typical to the culture, but I'm doing it for the culture. So I'm going to come against what is typical because I'm going to do it for my culture. In the midst of your culture, I'm going to do it for the culture. Does that make sense? So do it for the culture. Um, likewise, with many African Americans, there is this idea that we have to code switch, which means to put on a different way of speaking or behaving for certain audiences. And when you say, I'm going to move away from that and no longer have to appropriate to what you're asking me to do or assimilate, I'm going to do it for the culture. 
so with that grounding, it started to make a lot of sense why God was saying, do it for the culture. Because he's talking about his culture. He's talking about kingdom culture. So I understand that you are in the midst of a lot of rules and expectations and ways of being and ways of thinking that are um, standard. But what I'm asking you to do in this moment, as you, because you've been made alive in Christ, is do it for my culture. So when you're doing something that is going against the grain in the back of your mind, you're thinking, because I'm doing it for the culture. Does that make sense? Okay. I needed that. So I, I got grounded in what do it for the culture means. Um, so now we can go to Colossians chapter 3. Um, but nope, before we do that, the other, the place where he parked me for just a moment, I promise y'all we're going to get to the scripture. And it's the last scripture, but I'm going to go through really fast. Um, the, what has been very powerful about these last, I guess now, six weeks is that we are learning what his culture is. I think I already said that, but we're learning what his culture is because most of us have spent our lives doing it for the world's culture or if you happen to have gotten saved, you started doing it for church culture. So somewhere you never really learned what kingdom culture is because you were in the world's culture for a good amount of time. You got saved and then you started going into the church culture. You know how I know you know church culture? Because you know what parts of service to say amen. You know what parts of service to cry. You know what parts of service to lift your hands. You know what Sundays to wear what colors. You know what Sundays the babies are ministering. That's how I know you know church culture. You, one person. One person going to be honest. You know church culture. But you know, but when we start to talk about God and his being and his character and holiness and what he's calling you to be and to behave like and speak like, you kind of get a little deer in headlights because that's not what I've been learning along the way I've been learning church culture. So this is the opportunity, and I think you already know this when we start talking about living on brand and God's lifestyle brand. This is the opportunity that we've had, which has been so powerful, to actually learn God and his brand and his culture because I don't want to do it for church culture. I've been doing it for church culture for the last 15 years. I want to start to do it for his culture. And that's where the power comes. And that's where the difference making comes. And that's where the ambassador comes. Amen? Okay. So Colossians chapter 3. It's a lot of scripture. I'm going to read through it. I can tell you right now because I have permission to unpack this a little bit. We're not going to do all this this week. So next week, you're going to get more. Today, you're going to get part of it. So don't let the scripture get make you nervous. I'm going to read 15 verses. Okay. I know there's scriptural quotas. I'm going to pass that today. So verse 1, and we're going to go to 15, and I'm going to read it for you. And it's the NIV translation. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, 
But now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. That means there's no such thing as a cussing saint. Filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other. We don't like to call that out either. We call out pedophiles and all kinds of other wrong things, but lying, yeah, that's one too. Don't lie to each other. Since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge of, in the image of its creator. Here, there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, scathian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, and this is where we're going to spend most of our time today. So if you lost focus, get back into focus. This is where we're going to spend most of our time. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Lord, help us. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. Oh, and be thankful. Amen. So, again, we're going to just take a few parts of this today. What God would want us to do is be able to walk away with some nuggets of things we can actually do this week. So when we come back next week, we can get more things we can do. Building. So if you go back to verse 1, we are going to spend a little park here, just quickly, quick park. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. So when we've talked about holiness, and I'm not going to take a poll, but probably most of y'all have really had any conversations about holiness, really. Um, but in, in, in the a previous church, church life I've had, when we did talk about holiness, this scripture was usually used to talk about all the things secular that you cannot do anymore. Because you say in your heart and your mind on things above, not on earthly things. So that means you need to not be going to the movies, listening to that music, wearing that makeup, doing whatever it is. Because this, that you're not setting your mind on stuff here. That's, 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 that's secular stuff. You need to set your mind on things above. That's usually how the scripture is applied. And that is not to say that there is not some true application there. Because as we talked about, we do need to start to look for holy content. We need to start to distance ourselves from things that are not holy. But I think that it just scratched the surface because what this is really talking about is our posture and our stance and our viewpoint and where we get our instructions from, where we get our culture from. Because it specifically said, set your heart on things above. Set your mind on things above. That means my body is still here. My body is still going to be walking out some secular things. There's not a way for me to truly separate myself, my body, from this culture. Because if I want to do what cultural norms are and clothe myself, I'm going to put on secular clothes. Now, the kind of clothes, obviously, we could talk about. But I got to put on clothes, and that would be secular to a degree, right? So it's not so much about the physical and just floating. We can't float. Nobody floated in here. Nobody's going to float out, at least not physically. Hopefully your spirit is. Um, so 
God wanted me to put a pin there to make sure that we understand that this scripture is talking about your mentality. It's talking about where you connect your, where your, your power source, where you're, where you're connecting from or connecting to is not of this earth. It's on things above. So the best example he gave me, which was really good, because I have the mic now, and fantasy football is happening. And um, I did pretty good so far. You know, we're just still in the first week, but so far, because I did have a team play on Thursday, it was, it was a blowout. My sister's not here, but she went the negative. Um, so as I'm learning football, it just felt so appropriate that he gave me this, this visual of, of the field and that there are people who are on the field. Their role is to be on the field. But then there are these people who are in the skybox, who they call like the eye in the sky, who are like your defensive, offensive coordinators, who because they have now this higher vision of the field, they help the players on the field win. So it's never the role of the player to get off the field and to go to the skybox because here is where I am until God says I'm not supposed to be here on the earth anymore. What I am supposed to be doing is making sure that my eye is on the sky and that I'm listening to the people who have a bigger, a broader vantage point and those who can give me the instructions and the plays that I can't see down here so I can win. So when we're talking about focusing on things above, it's not that I'm going to leave here. It's not that I'm going to float. It's not that I'm going to be so holy that I'm unattainable or unreachable. It's this idea that I just take my instructions from a higher power, from a different source, and God's Holy Spirit living on the inside of me is the one who's calling all the shots. That's why I feed him peace and prayer and all those things to make sure that he's well fed so he can feed me what I need to be able to succeed in this life. That makes sense? Okay. So... You can still wear extensions and stuff like that. We're not telling you don't do that. But we are telling you that with those extensions and the makeup and whatever you're wearing, make sure that the Holy Spirit is on the inside of you so you can get the right instruction on how to live according to God's culture. So you can do it for the culture. Okay. Good. So that was that. Then he took me down to um, verses, verse 8 through 10. And this is where, and we're not going to spend a lot of time here. Um, it was talking about rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips, don't lie. Um, he was just telling me that when you're doing it for the culture, when you're truly doing it for the culture, there are some things that you have to rid yourselves of, and that's all of the above that we just read. Okay? Again, not going to spend a lot of time here. And here's why, because <laughs> I was like, well, God, I need to give the people something on how to, he said, no, we already did that. We did that already because we had a whole turn down the noise series. And that dealt with your emotional set, your set of emotions. And we talked about anger there. And we talked about emotional triggers. So you already have that information to be able to know what to put off because we had a whole, I think it was about three months, on turn down the noise. So you already have that. And I was like, okay, well, I, you know, what if people needed a refresher? And he told me, see, that's the problem. That's the problem, because when you become a brand ambassador, it is your responsibility to know the entire product line. It is your responsibility to have a depth and breadth of all of the teaching. And the problem with us is that we have gotten so series-minded that we move on from last series to this series, and now we're going to move from this to the giver series, but we don't keep the content along the way. 
That's partially why we continue to keep glitching. Yeah, I took it back for y'all. <laughs> That's why we keep glitching. Because we don't keep, we don't keep it. We don't store it. Good ambassadors know the entire product line. Because Nike releases a new shoe doesn't mean you don't have to still have knowledge and product knowledge on the last shoe. So I have homework. Ouch. Y'all have homework. Because if, in fact, you just breeze through turn down the noise, you haven't gone back to the podcast, you haven't gone back to your notes from there, you need to make sure that you are well-versed as an ambassador on all of the truths so you can activate on all of it at all times. So, moving on. That was that. So this is where we are going to spend time. We're going to spend time at verses 12 through 14. Not a lot of time, because again, we're going to do some of this next week. And I will read it again. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you and over all of these virtues put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. When we are talking about doing it for the culture, we have to be fitted in his attire. And I thought it was really cool. As soon as he gave me that, I was like, yeah, because I remember, you know, Pastor Wanzel was up here last week, and he had um, the J's on, and he had the jersey, and it was real fitted, and he gave, like, this really good um, analogy or connection point to, do you know, walking out his brand and making sure that we have the right fit. And so I was like, that's really perfect. Um, so when we're talking about doing it for the culture, these are the things, all the things I just read, that we have to be fitted in. It clearly said, clothe yourselves. So if you need something to put on with the brand, this, here you go. So where we maybe have gotten lost in translation before and thought we had to clothe ourselves in a certain length of skirt, which by all means, you can do that or you had to abstain from a certain whatever, this is it. This is the, if you're looking for a tire, this is it. Where before was, you know, first Sunday, white, second Sunday, the youth minister, so jeans and white, and that, all that clothing is nice, but here's right here. Here's the clothing that he's given us. So the first point that I have, and I have three, um, is I put on compassion every day. As a brand ambassador, as someone who is wanting to live up to God's lifestyle brand, as someone who wants to do it for the culture, I put on compassion every day. And when I first read that, because I don't know about y'all, but when I read um, the word, I try to like check myself up against the word of God. Like kind of like see where I am. Sometimes I'm super not there, and other times I feel like, oh, I do that. I feel good about that. Um, so I, 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 I feel good about that. Compassion. I'm, I, most people, if you know me, they'll say she's really, I hope, <laughs> um, she's a really nice person. So I would feel like there, you know, I'm good. I'm a nice person. I have compassion. So I started to breeze through it and then God brought me back um, because he told me compassion is so much deeper than just being nice. So there's a Hebrew word for compassion and it's used interchangeably with mercy and it's pronounced rehamin, rehamin. That's compassion or mercy in the Hebrew. And it's derived from the word rechem, which is 
the um, most motherly part in a woman, which is the womb. And the reason why rehamim is derived from rechem is because compassion is calling us and drawing us to this very deep love, this very deep, intense um, care. And it is most likened to when a baby is in the womb of a mother because that is probably the best human example of rehamim compassion, mercy, this deep longing for, love for, is more than just being nice. And I was like, I don't know if I have rehab me. I don't know if I have that. So I, so I wanted to understand more about that because I do believe I'm nice, but I don't know if I have rehab me. It said, um, as I was reading more about it, that this kind of compassion, you feel so deeply for the person that you want to relieve the person. It is compassion so deep that it moves you to do something for this person. Like that mother in that womb and that baby there. I'm so, I have so much rehamim for my, for my seed, for this life growing in me, that it moves me to do things I wouldn't typically do. It moves me to eat things I wouldn't typically eat. It moves me to, sustain, to abstain from things I wouldn't normally abstain from because I have so much rehamim. I have so much passion, so much compassion for what is on the inside of me. So as believers, we're called to put on, clothe ourselves every day in this compassion. That's, and when I do that, I'm doing it for the culture. Because Portia does not have that. And I checked, and I'm all out of stock on most days. But because I'm doing it for the culture, and because I have God's Holy Spirit in me, it beckons me, and it calls me to this rehamim this compassion. I thought that was so good. I was like, that's really, really good. And I was like, I really, I like that and I want to do that and I want to do it for the culture, right? Um, But I need a little bit more. So he gave me an example. So I was like, what does that look like beyond just, you know, being nice? Like maybe it's like instead of saying good morning, it's like good morning. You know, like how do you, how do you do that? How do you lean into something that's so deep, you know? So he gave me Jesus as an example, because he's goals. So in Matthew chapter 14, we don't have to go there, but in Matthew chapter 14, Jesus heard that his cousin, who had basically been his ministry partner this whole time, John the Baptist, had was beheaded. And Jesus was all God, but also all man. And so when he heard that John the Baptist was beheaded, if you don't know, he's killed. He's take off of his head. He's dead. Um, when he heard that, he was sad because he was human and he had emotions. He had a set of emotions and he was sad. And so the scripture said, and this is Matthew 14 and 13. You don't have to go there. When Jesus heard what had happened, that John the Baptist was beheaded, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. So this is Jesus' superstar. He, like, can barely ever get a moment. Y'all think that Beyonce or whoever draws crowds, he draws crowds, okay? He packs out arenas. But he's having a time right now where he needs a moment to just digest what has happened to John. So he's going to the solitary place, and it said when the crowds heard that he was going to a solitary place, They followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed, 
and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them, and he healed their sick. So I was trying to figure out what Rahamim looks like on display, and that's it. Because Jesus' need at that moment was to be able to grieve, and he needed a moment to be able to do that, which is why he went to a solitary place. But because the crowds are so used to pulling on him and pulling on his glory and needing him to be their healer, they follow him to this place. And he now comes out of what is supposed to be grief to be able to heal their sick. So when I'm talking about Rehemim in my life, it means that I'm putting it on in such a way, I'm putting on this compassion as a, as a brand ambassador in such a way that what I need in moments becomes secondary to what the people around me need, what the people of God need, but just like the people on my job may need because I put on compassion today. So do you see how that's beyond just being nice? It's beyond just saying I'm a good person. It's saying that when I'm in a situation where I want to be able to behave this way, I want to be able to go inward, I want to be able to just focus on myself, I want to be able to just focus on my family, because I put on compassion today, and because I'm doing it for the culture, and because I have this rahami now, now I'm going to go beyond myself to be able to relieve you because I put on compassion today. And then I realized again that I, this is not just being nice. And Jesus is the perfect example because although he was all God and although he was all man, he, he, he should get an opportunity to grieve the loss of his family. But because he understood that not only is he clothed in compassion, he was compassion. He went ahead and healed the sick. Amen. So again, I'm only going to give you a couple more things because that alone, we could have just stopped right there. We could just stop right there. Good luck. Go do, go forth and be great putting on compassion every day. But we have a couple more things. So when I'm doing it for the culture, I put on compassion. The second thing I put on is kindness. And all of this was taken from um, Colossians where we were reading. I put on kindness. The Hebrew word for kindness is hesed. Hesed means to refrain from killing, injuring, or distressing. It also is more than just being nice. Because I thought again, as I was doing my checks and balances, I thought, I'm a nice person. I'm a kind person. I teach my children to be kind people. I do that. But then when I realized that there is hesed, which means to refrain from killing, injuring, or distressing, I saw gaps and I saw opportunities because maybe I don't always put on hesed. I put on cultural norms for kind, smile, which you can't see more behind a mask, but I smile and I'm nice to you. But this is deeper than this. This means that when I am a brand ambassador, when I am doing it for the culture, I cannot be the person that kills your character. I can't be the person that injures your emotions. I can't be the person that distresses you because I put on kindness. I put on hesed this morning. So I have a different expectation, a different responsibility, a different, um, a not an earthly thing that I walk in every day because I'm doing it for the culture. Does that make sense? 
my, I was talking to my husband about this. I, mean, I didn't go over my whole message with him, but I was saying, kind of like Pastor Wanzel said last week, it just feels a little too simple. It's like be kind, and it feels like stuff that is, you know, basic that you probably learned in Sunday school already. Um, but it's so much deeper than that. I have to make sure that I am not injuring anyone. I want to sit here for just a moment, and I know we, uh, we're going to move on. But I think where we usually fall out of, you know, we put it on and then we take it back off. I put, I put on my expectations for the morning, and then by the time the halfway day, I take it off. Um, the reason why I take off hesed, especially kindness, is because I feel like at some points in my days, some people deserve to be injured. Because it said, I don't want to injure you, or I don't want to kill or distress you. I don't want to kill nobody. But we don't we usually like kill somebody's character. I don't want to do that either. But injure, I struggle with sometimes. Because I do feel like sometimes what you did brought about a need for you to be injured. It's like call and response. Be stupid, get slapped. You know, be, it's just like those are the things that just feel right. But when I put on this kindness that I'm talking about, and I do it for the culture, it is not because you don't deserve it. That might help us. It's not because you don't deserve it that I am going to be kind to you. I'm going to be kind to you because I'm doing it for the culture. It's not because what your action did did not warrant me to injure your feelings. It's because I'm putting on kindness and I'm doing it for the culture. This goes back to um, Romans 12 that we're all familiar with. Your body is a living, be a living sacrifice, and we all talk about that, and we sing songs about it. But this is the part where I'm actually living as a sacrifice, meaning it is paining me to not pain you because you deserve every bit of this that I want to give you. And it is hurting me, and it feels like my, my insides are being ripped out because I want to rip out your insides. But I can't do that because I put on kindness this morning. I put on hesed, and I'm doing it for the culture. Amen? So I put on compassion. I put on kindness. And the third thing and last thing we'll talk about today is I put on humility. The Hebrew word for humility, as you can see, we've been in the Hebrew today, is anava. And I made the iPad talk so I can know how to say it, exactly how they say it. It's anava. I put on anava. Um, and that means to be meek or, or modest. I think this is where, again, we're trying to undo some of our cultural thinking. When we hear humility and meek and modest, we think mousy and timid. So like Christians are to be docile. And we're supposed to be m mousy. And we're supposed to be head down. And we're not supposed to you know, have boldness or have any type of um, roar about us. We're supposed to be very humble and, 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 and have humility. That is not what this is saying. Anava, when you talk about in reference to God, means that I am so humbled before God. I am so humbled before him and the greatness of who he is that I'm almost in fear of him. And not in fear because he's going to punish me because he's a good, good father. I'm in fear of messing this up. 
I am so humbled by who you are and the life that you've brought me to and the life that you called me out of and who you continue to show yourself to be every day. I'm so humbled by that that I'm almost fearful. Like, I don't want to mess this up. I don't want to be off brand for you. I'm so humbled by the opportunity that I get to stand here on this stage knowing my testimony, knowing the things that I've done, knowing the people that I've injured in the past when I did not have that kindness that you're talking about, knowing the lifestyle that is not, I'm not so far removed from because, again, Christians got old testimonies. I mean, like, last year, last month, you know, the other day when I did that thing, like, knowing that I'm so humbled by who you are. I'm so humbled by the God that you are, and I'm so humbled by the fact that I get to be in relationship with you and that you're saying that I get to be an ambassador for you, that I don't want to live off brand. Like, I think about our natural relationships, and I'm so in love with my husband, and I'm so grateful for God blessing me with him, and I'm so grateful for how he stepped in, and I'm so, I'm so humbled by who he is that I don't want to mess up our relationship. We've been married before, both of us. We're like, we don't want to mess this up. Like, we're so, like, almost in fear. Like, I don't want to mess this up. Like, that's the humble, that's the humility that we're talking about with God. Now, with people, it means that, so that's in relationship to God. In relationship to people, this anava means that I humble myself and I value others above myself. That also doesn't mean that you think low of yourself. It doesn't mean that you don't have any interest. It doesn't mean that you are just a doormat. It means that when it comes down to there needing to be a decision point, I'm going to put what you value and what you need over my own. That's the humility, the anava, that I'm putting on every day. Philippians 2 and 3, just as a, a note, do not do anything out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. So I asked God really quickly, um, and we're getting ready to close. I asked God, okay, so what does that look like? Because you're telling me it's not that I'm just mousy with people, and it's not that I don't have a point of view, because Lord knows you gave me a point of view. And you and I have been working through what that is my whole life. Um, so what does it mean? And he gave me an awesome example that Pastor Tina actually referenced when we were praying this morning of being an ambassador, a U.S. ambassador. We're talking about being ambassadors, so it's like it makes sense. Um, but as U.S. ambassadors, when I sign up for that gig, I am saying that the interest of Portia will now be secondary to the interests of this country and that I will take on whatever the viewpoint is of these United States when I'm at home and when I'm abroad. So when I'm in situations where we're discussing and negotiating, Portia's viewpoint is not going to be what's at the forefront. It's going to be whatever is in the best interest of these United States because I'm a U.S. ambassador. He is telling us right now as believers and as those who want to do it for the culture and as those who want to live according to his lifestyle brand that it has to start to not be about you God has been so good he's been so good he has poured out himself him, his his spirit on my in, in me and on my life he has poured out his hand and his blessings on my life and he has done that with, with without asking very much of me but he's saying we're now at the point where you have to do something you have to start to do it for my culture 
you have to start making sure that the life that you're living is not about you. And I think this is where, when this series is over, some people are going to have a little bit of a, a struggle. We all will have to work through this, but there'll be a little bit of a struggle on whether I really want to do this or not because he is calling you to live a life that is not going to be about you and it is not going to be about your interests. And you are going to have to humble yourself and you are going to have to put on compassion and you are going to have to put on kindness. And these are things that are going to be required of you in order to be an ambassador. And some people are going to say, I don't want to do that because that's asking too much of me and I don't want to do that. But here's the thing. He's not asking you to do, one, anything that he won't walk through with you. And two, he's not asking you to do anything that you don't owe him. It, it makes me think about the people who, um, I, yesterday was September 11th, and I don't know if you watched any coverage, but there was a lot, because it was 20 years, there was lots of coverage around um, the anniversary of this just horrible thing that happened in our country. And there were several people, several docuseries or stories I heard where the people said, because someone saved my life, because that first responder ran into the building and saved my life, and they forfeited their life. Ever since then, the trajectory of my life has changed. I decided that I want to live bigger and bolder because I now have a new almost like chance at living. I now have this new grace that was extended to me that if it had not been for that person running in and saving me, I wouldn't be here. So I can't afford to live life low. I can't afford to live life mediocre because I have a new lease on life now. That was September 11th. That was a firefighter. We have a savior who went to the cross for us thousands of years ago, looked ahead into the future and saw the mess that you were going to be and still said, I'm going to go. Not my will, but your will be done, Father. He did that. He ran in for me. He hung for me. And even when it became painful and he could have easily dispatched angels to come and get him, he, he hung there for me. He hung there for me knowing that there were days that I wasn't even going to choose him. Most days I wasn't going to choose him. Most days I wasn't going to care about his culture. But he hung there for me. And then after he hung there for me, he was buried for me. After he was buried for me, he decided after three days, I got to get up and do this thing called victory for me. So now that he's done all that, how dare I decide that I don't really know if I want to do it for the culture. I'm going to think about it. I don't really know if this whole lifestyle brand is for me. I don't have a choice. I don't know about y'all, but I don't have a choice. I do not have a choice because he went and did what he had to do so I could stand here now and do what I need to do. Thank you for streaming the latest message from Truth Movement Church. We pray that you found something in God's word that you can deposit into your heart for future use. To stay connected with our ministry, like us on Facebook or Instagram, or learn more about us by visiting www.truthmovementchurch.org.